Um, they, I was just thinking about this, they've been a part of our lives for a really long time. If you don't know, uh, Brother Crager Tolbert is my uh, wife's cousin, and I was thinking back to one of the first, um, one of the first times we met, we'll dismiss our children in just a moment, one of the first times uh, when I was still dating my wife, um, one, of the, one of the trips that I came out here to Washington from Tennessee was their wedding. And so that's how far back we go, because that's been at least a couple of years. <laughs> um, but I, I just, we, we love them, so thankful that we get to uh, spend this time with them. I forget sometimes because we, our family, has such a history with the different individuals in the Life Church congregations that you all don't necessarily get to see and, and know to the extent that we do. So every opportunity that you have to meet and, and fellowship and get to know the others in the body, I think it's very, uh, very good. Now, I, I asked their boys la uh, this morning, I said, did you have a good time in the hotel room last night? And they said, yes. I knew they were looking forward to the pancake making machine that was at the hotel, and that was the first thing one of them told me when I asked if they had a good time at the hotel. It was, yes, they have the best pancake machine. So I said, well, did you wake up early to get that breakfast? And one of them said, yeah, 6.50, and my parents were mad. <laughs> Amen. So we're giving them a little bit of time today. Amen. Uh, whichever one of you wants to go first, I would love for you to both greet us. Praise the Lord, church. It's good to see all of you. And... Me and Sister Flowers go way back to that size right there, playing in the dirt or riding cows. Um, uh, and then me and Flowers, Brother Flowers, uh, were, I mean, some fond memories are, I think Bishop bought a Corvette. He gave us the keys to it and said, go take it for a spin, and that was a rather fun time. Um, yes, I... I enjoyed it. Um, so I'm just glad to see you all. Um, something the Lord's been talking to me about is the different seasons that we go to. Is anybody in a mountain season right now? You're on top of the world. Wow. Okay. See? So I'm not the only one. Anybody in a valley right now? Okay. You feel like the Lord. Yes. Praise the Lord. The Lord, you're, whether or not the sun, you're like, is the sun actually going to come up? I don't know where it is. Is he hear me right now? And I'm here to say that this is the time when you grow in the Lord and he creates depth with what you are going through. And I know that right now <clears throat> there's always somebody out there saying, hey, oh, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. It, it doesn't feel that way when you're going through it. Okay. There's a lot of things bombarding you in this world that's telling you, oh, you can do this. You can change this. And the Lord. You stand on his word and you stand on what he's going to take you through and where you're going in him. Grow in that season. Don't just sit there and buckle down and wait. Oh, it'll be over one day. This is going to end. No, no. Grow. Find the strength in the Lord and the faith to know that 
he can do anything. There is something on the other side of this. And I want to thank the Lord because, I, I, honest, I'm, <laughs> the sun is creeping over the horizon right now in my valley. So we, we've all been there, and that's, you know, if it's your first valley, welcome. Um, if it's not, if it's your 36th year in a valley, I mean, God takes care of us. And you have to have that understanding that it is, it is the time to grow. When you're on that mountain, okay, let's transfer to those of you who didn't raise your hand because you're on that mountain. You're like, oh, I don't want to be that person. Like, oh, I'm the only one here. Hey, it's time for you to start praying for your brother and sister who's in the valley because you remember what that valley was like and you remember what God brought you through and the growth he brought you through. You should be covering your brothers and sisters in prayer, going to them and telling them, hey, I'm praying for you. Not telling them like, oh, it'll be okay. It'll, it'll be fine. No, pray for them. Give yourself to prayer for them. Give yourself to giving them strength because that's where they need it. Because you're not going to do anything for them. But praying and covering them, that's where you're on the mountaintop. That's where you're supposed to be. You're supposed to be covering the people that are in the valley so that they can grow and keep going. Because, hey, sorry, guys, on the mountaintop. You, you, God is going to call you to grow. And he's, you know, it might be... Yeah, we'll just leave it at that, okay? So praise the Lord, church. And I love being here and seeing you all and appreciate you all and your prayers. Praise the Lord. Excuse my casual attire. We weren't planning this. Um, but we actually live in the Kualt Valley. And as he was saying that, I was thinking how beautiful it is down there and how you get to look up at the beauty around you, but God is good, and um, this year he's, I think my husband looks at things as, as valley, and I feel like maybe I'm higher on the mountain right now, because <laughs> I'm like, God is so good, this is so uncomfortable, but he's been so good, and um, he's had to help me, because I am I was just talking to Lauren about this. I am the introvert of, out of us, and I have spent the past 15 years at home with my children, and I started feeling a stir a couple years ago. I kept rebuking myself, thinking I was just being antsy, wanting to get out and do things, and yet recognizing God was telling me, like, it's time for change, and he opened a door for me to work at my... Um, the school that my children are going to right now and um, I did not pursue this they asked me and I was like oh I don't know if I want to do that um, and we prayed about it and I felt peace about it because I thought I didn't pursue it they asked me so I'm gonna run with it and um, I'm in a kitchen all by myself for quite a few hours a day and um, I, my kids go to a Christian school, and the school is to my left. I'm, like, right in the center, and to my right is all the church offices of this place, and they're not of our faith, but um, I have been amazed because I'm by myself. I'm in there. I'm just like, Lord, this is so out of my comfort zone. When somebody, you know, of authority in that place comes near, I get nervous and think, like, what do I say? Or, you know, I get nervous every time, and I've been amazed just in the past couple months I'll tell my husband, this is so out of my comfort zone, and um, 
I had been praying to God in the past couple years, like, you, you made me this way, and yet you keep asking me not to be this way, because he, you know, today's day and age, we can get caught up in, this is my personality, I'm not going to do that, he didn't call me to do that, and yet he keeps showing me, you're not doing it, I am, and he has, like, just last week, the pastor of um, the church where this school is, um, came into my lunchroom, and he likes to ask me, you know, every other day or so, what you making, and um, I share with him, and he said, what brought you here? And I, uh, and it was like something came out that I had forgotten about, and I, it, I just gave glory to God, because I said, you know, one day I was out praying, I was frustrated, and I pulled over, and oddly enough, it was this school, and the Spirit of God fell, and I started to just pray, and I, I said, I took note of that, and when my kids wanted to go somewhere, I said, Maybe that's the place he wants us to go because that was just odd that I was driving and pulled over because I was frustrated at that time with some homeschooling. And I thought, oh, and it was, this was years ago, actually. And so here he's just looking at me like, oh. And I said, I believe God places us at his time because two years ago wasn't the time. I said, but this year was the time for me to be here. And I said, God just keeps doing things. Um, different helpers at that school come into my kitchen and um, grab a snack, and they, they talk to me. And um, I've got to share so much faith with people. And again, it's not me. It's him. And I believe he wants to take who we are and um, make that smaller and <laughs> make him bigger. And I've seen him do that this year, and I just want to give him glory and it's good to be here we enjoy the fellowship praise God <clears throat> amen we'll dismiss our children now and their teachers praise God I'm so thankful for the Tolbert family thank you for sharing that with us today sometimes people just have to get out of their comfort zone and uh, all of you sitting there nodding and saying amen I'm looking at you. <laughs> Amen. If you would turn to Galatians chapter 6. I think I got that. Galatians chapter 6. Amen. I apologize. Bear with me. My voice is not as strong as it never is. <laughs> Galatians chapter 6 and verse 3. I want to I show you a couple of verses here and then um, just let the Lord talk to us a bit. I, I've said this a few times about when it looks like the scripture contradicts itself. You feel like you see one thing in one place and you think you see something else in a different place or maybe it's, they sound different, maybe they sound alike, but they don't really match or go together. I want, to, um, I want you to see these, these verses here. Um, in fact, let's just go back and we'll start at verse 1. Do a little bit of reading through, through uh, verse 6. So, uh, Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, 
Ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thy, thy be tempted also. Verse 2. Bear ye one another's burdens. That's a pretty popular phrase in Scripture, and we say it sometimes, and sometimes we might have a pretty good idea or, or decent idea of what it means. Um, but so it says, bear ye one another's burdens, and it gave us an example in verse 1 of, if a man is overtaken in a fault, restore him. He, he's going to have some, some stuff that he has to deal with, and it's telling us in verse 2, bear one another's burdens. Everybody say burdens. Bear you one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Now, I, I, I want you to look there, then just jump to verse uh, 5, if you would. For every man shall bear his own burden. And I know this is not um, Greek class today, and I don't intend to belabor this, but I want you to know when it says in verse 2, bear one another's burdens, and when it says in verse 5, every man has to bear his own burden, those are two different words. It's not the same thing. When I'm supposed to help a brother bear or carry his burdens, it's because he's got weights on him that are too heavy for him to carry by himself. That's, and that word burden in verse 2 every time we see it in scripture and I think it's about roughly 10 or 12 times in scripture that term burden is mentioned it's it's associated with trouble weights worries it's an it has a negative connotation that burden that he is under is too heavy all right and then in verse 5 Every man shall bear his own burden. That burden, it's really not a negative or a positive connotation. It's just a, a thing. If I was talking to my kids, I'd say it's just a noun. It is a, a task, uh, something that you have to do. You're given this task to do, to, blink, to, to bring it to completion. Every man must bear his own burden. And they, they mean two different things, okay? They, they, they're not synonymous. And I believe the Lord would help us today to see in some scriptures what is a burden. Do I have a burden? Do I, should I have a burden? Should I not? Does my brother or my sister have a burden? And if they do... Do I have any part in that? I, I, I want to say this. Being a 36-year-old um, church-going person, that's me. I've been, I've been around a lot of church. I've heard a lot of people talk um, about Scripture and then about their life and then try to just kind of marry the two and say, Everything that I say and speak is all scripture-based, or I talk like a Christian. And 
a lot of times there is, there is conveyed in conversation something that I would dare say is not really with an accurate understanding. We would say, I have a burden for, and you fill in the blank. And what you're saying and what you're conveying is, I feel like God should be doing something in this arena, whether it's a person or a group of people or a city or a nation or a whatever. You're, you're thinking, I have a burden for, for them. We'll, we'll use, use that example, uh, um, a, a group of people. We'll, we'll, we'll pick a random nation, uh, Kazakhstan. I don't have a, necessarily have a burden for Kazakhstan. I don't know that any one of you does. So we'll just use that as a, as a hypothetical. I have a, you, you might come to me or you might go to your, to your brother or sister in some conversation and say, I just feel like I have a burden for Kazakhstan. And I think God should be doing more in that country, in that nation than what he is. What, what's really being conveyed there? What, what, what are we saying? Are we saying that you as an individual, think not enough is being done? Because if that's the case, and, and that's what you're saying, really what you're doing is not conveying anything spiritual. What's, man, my mind is just blown by the number of maroon that we have here. Sorry, i got to take a moment today and get that off my head. I feel like people are trying to blend into the seats. <laughs> So, so you might be trying to convey a spiritual notion. I just wish the people of that nation could get saved and baptized and receive the Holy Ghost and God would do a, a great work there. I do too. I want that to happen. But I don't really convey it in such a way that says God's not doing enough or the churches that are there, or the men and women of God, the Christians there, that's really the underlying implication. I have a burden for them. And we, so we've, we've been able to use that term to quote-unquote spiritualize a complaint. I just wish, really, this is, this is the attitude behind it. I wish God was doing more than what I see him doing in that situation. That kind of a burden, unless God tells you, I'm calling you to Kazakhstan, and now it is becoming your task, that's really the only way it can meet one of those two descriptions. I've, I'm, I'm calling, or, or maybe he's just not, not moving you. Maybe he's going to take you to a place of prayer and fasting for it. But so if there is an action item, many of us, if we work in a business setting, we have me meetings and then we leave the meeting with action items. You're going to do this. You're going to do this. That's, so that is a burden. That is synonymous with a burden. It is your task. So if in my conversation we're talking about my burden for this thing, if we just talk and we leave and there's no action items, it's really not a burden. Right? 
It's just a topic of conversation. But if, we, if, if you come to me and say, Elder, the Lord has just been dealing with me about Kazakhstan. And every time I go to pray, he's having me look at the map or do some research or think about who and pray about it. And Okay, well, that sounds like some action items. And sure, that, you've got a burden because you've got things you're doing. I'll give you the even more generic one. And we'll, we'll try to go there in some scripture if the Lord lets us. But I want you to hear this. This one is the most, probably the most common that I've heard over my time in, in, in church. In, in uh, what did a bishop say? Church dumb. This is what I hear. I've got a burden for the lost. Okay, let's break that down a little bit. Try to put it into some understanding and context that we're talking about today. Either you're saying, like it said in verse 2, bear ye one another's burdens, so that's a weight, that is a worry, that is a trouble. Or you're saying, I have a task for the lost. Sounds a lot different when you put it that way, right? Elder, I have something I have to do for the lost. All right, I can commend that. That sounds like the way God wants us to operate. Something to do. But if it's, I'm just so sad that all these people are lost. Time out. That we're trying to convey something, but we would spiritualize it and say, I, I feel a burden for them. We, we would look to Jesus himself. Really, we want to say we're Christian. We look to him as the example for everything. Did Jesus have a burden for the lost? Jesus, he says, I am come to seek and save that which is lost. And I'm not willing that any should perish, but that all should... Yes, he wants to see lost sinners saved. But he did not walk around with the weight, that's a burden, with the weight of the lost world on his shoulders and have struggle going through about every day because this world is lost. He didn't live that way. In fact, there's one town we see where he goes to the town of Samaria. And there's a, that's, a, that's a town of lost people. They need saved. He didn't, he didn't act in such a way that I've got a burden for this town. I'm going to go in there. I'm going to start preaching. I'm going to hold revivals. I'm going to try to invite the whole town to come and hear me preach so that they can hear and be saved. No, you know what he did? Is he went to the outside of town, the well that the people of that town had to go to, and he sat and he waited for one person and met with them. And you know what he did? He conveyed his burden to that one person because his burden is for Souls. 
His burden is for souls. And so speaking with that one lady at a well, he is able to convey, this is what I feel. This is my burden. How I would seek to help a lost soul. The beautiful thing, and we're not going to take the time to look at that today, but the beautiful thing about how that played out is she went back to her town and told everybody in town, come see a man who told me everything I've ever done. Is this not the Christ? No, we want to we think of it as the Christ going into the town and saying, everybody, I'm here and I'm the Christ. Look at me. Come to me. No. He, he, he ha I guarantee you he had a burden as in a desire and a task for every soul in that town. But you know what? He was actually on his way from one place to another and Samaria was not even the place where he was scripted to spend any time that day. He was going from A to B, and Samaria was like A and a half. But he thought, yes, I have a desire for the people in that town to be saved, to know who I am. And I've got this time to spend. I'm going to do it in such a way that my burden can be spoken and then furthered. Matthew chapter 11. Um, go back to verse 28. 11.28. Um, let me just read this so I can get past it. We, oftentimes we think of what we think our burdens are actually worries, troubles, things that bother us or things that we fear or we don't want to see that happen. Verse 29, it says, come unto me, no, verse 28, sorry, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, pause, the term laden is, it works in conjunction with burdens, because it's everybody that has heavy weights on you, come unto me, all of you that are carrying heavy loads, and I will give you rest. Sounds a lot like burdens, the way that we're, we're conventionally uh, used to it. 
I got a burden for the lost. I got a burden for my school. I got a burden for my church. I got a burden for my work. I got a burden for my family. I've got a burden and all these things. And I'm worried because none of it's going the way I wish it would. And so I'm carrying around these burdens. Because I'm worried. I'm worried that the Lord's not going to save my family. I'm worried that he's not going to heal this disease. I'm worried, okay, I hear what you're saying, and we know we try to find the way to put it in a spiritual context so that it sounds appropriate for a Christian to say. So instead of worry, because we know that's not Christ-like, so we say burden. Because that sounds a lot more Christ-like. I'm, you know, the, the, the real word is troubled. I'm troubled about this thing. Troubled in my spirit about. I'm not telling you if you've got troubles or worries or burdens like we're talking about that, that something's wrong with you. No, congratulations, welcome to humanity. Kind of like what Brother Tolbert was saying. This is your first time in the valley. So, so you, it's okay to have that, but the question is, how do we deal with it? What is the appropriate way to deal with this burden or worry or trouble? Jesus says it right here. Come unto me, all of you that labor and have many burdens, have many troubles, and I will give you rest. I will pause right here to say the amount of rest that you have in your life is related to how much burden, worry, and trouble you are carrying. It's impossible to rest with a 1,000-pound weight on your chest. You can't. I would like to see somebody try if they think they could. I can't rest while I'm holding this, while I'm carrying this. Jesus is helping us with this passage. I will give you rest. The next verse, he says, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Wait a second. Jesus is talking to people that are carrying heavy stuff. And he says, let me add one more thing. I don't think you're carrying too much. Let me add one more thing. No, the thing that he is adding is what will help you carry properly. All the things you're trying to carry. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. The guy, we talked about him earlier, the guy that's tasked with saving the whole world. If there's anybody that's got weight on his shoulders, if there's anybody that's carrying a load that you wouldn't think anyone could bear, it's the guy that knows I'm sent here to die for the salvation 
of the world. And he says, I got this thing. I'm going to show you how light it is. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. Okay, the Lord is, is, is making us deal with this. Rest unto your souls is different than passing out for half an hour and waking up thinking, all right, at least I got a little bit to go off of. Uh-uh. Rest unto your souls. You could have rest unto your soul and run a marathon and not be tired. Because we're not talking about physical. We're talking about in your soul. You shall find rest into your soul. That's what's needed. That's because we think, well, I'll go through my day, I'll carry all my weights, my responsibilities, try to bear them as much as I can, and then finally find some time of end of day, rest, you know, relax a little bit, set that all off, and then you finally get all down, and you sit down, and you got more weight on you than you did during the day. Because now we're talking about soul weights. We're talking about the things that are weighing on here. And Jesus says that's what needs rest. Rest into your soul. Next verse. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. My burden. My task. The thing that I am supposed to do. My action item is light, not heavy. I can carry this. I can walk with this. I can live with this and still find rest in my soul because I'm doing it correctly, appropriately. Now, let me, let me try to take you back just for a minute to where we started in Galatians 6 and talking about those two different kinds. The, the burden in verse 2, bear one another's burdens, represents the stuff that Jesus was saying, you that are heavy laden. If I see my brother or my sister and I know, man, they've had COVID, they have a job situation, they're trying to deal with their kids and this thing, and they got all this going on, that's a lot of laden on them. That's a lot of heavy load. And I, you know what? I can't deal with all of that. I can't help them with all of that. But I can do this one thing that might help lift up a little bit of one of those burdens. That's bearing one another's burdens. But then we get down to verse 5 there. Every man must, must bear his own burden. There's some things I can't help my brother or sister with. Or my wife. Or my child. There's a, I can do a whole lot, and what I can give goes a long ways, but I can only go to a certain point to where, I'm sorry, but that's your burden. And you want to talk about losing rest in your soul, you try to take that on yourself. And there will be no rest for either of you. Every man must, bury, must bear his own burden because that's his task. That's what he has to do. The beautiful thing is they both fit on the yoke that Jesus gives. 
all the, all the heavy stuff, all the problems, the worries, the troubles, all that. You put that on the yoke that Jesus gives and your daily tasks. You put that on the yoke that Jesus gives. And he's saying, this is easy. This is light. This is not heavy. I don't walk around every day like I'm carrying a thousand pounds. No, this is easy and light. Amen. Let's look here quickly. Matthew chapter 23, verse 1. Matthew chapter 23, verse 1. I want to ask you this question. Your burden, and we'll, we're going to talk specifically about the second kind of burden for a minute. We, we know trouble. We know worry. We, we got that well down. I want to talk about your task to live as God wants you to live. Does that burden come from God, me, my spouse, my, my church body, where does that burden come from? This is what Jesus says. Matthew chapter 23, verse 1. Then spake Jesus to the multitude and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. All therefore, whatsoever they bid you observe. That's a fancy way of saying listen to them when they tell you what to do because they sit in Moses' seat. So you're, offer, you're, you're honoring the office that they sit in, not the man. We can, we can drill holes in that guy all day long about this is wrong with him and this and this, but no, because of the office that he holds, honor him. When he tells you to do something, do it. Verse, verse 3 again, All therefore whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do, but do ye not after their works, for they say and do not. Don't do what they do. It's kind of opposite. Don't do what they do. Do what they say. That's what Jesus says. Verse 4. For they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be born and lay them on men's shoulders. Does this sound anything like what we're talking about today? They bind heavy burdens and put them on men. Imagine, just if you would, thank God we don't have any uh, ex-Pharisees in here that had to go through this yourselves, ourselves. But just imagine if you weren't a Pharisee, but you were one of those men that had a heavy burden laid on you by a Pharisee because they are the ones that get to tell you what you have to do and how you have to do it in order to please God. That, that, that sounds like no fun to me. But Jesus is saying, observe them. This is how they operate. They come up with impossible burdens. Tasks. And they lay them on people's shoulders and say, do this or you're not pleasing to God. Do this 
or he won't accept you. He won't love you because you're not able to do this birth. Jesus himself says, grievous to be born, to, to carry that, is, it will just cause grief. But they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. Not even interested. I'll tell you all day what you have to do to please God. But I'm not even going to attempt it. I'm just going to sit here and tell you what to do. That's what Jesus is saying. About these Pharisees. Verse 5. But all their works they do for to be seen of men. Now, we get down to the nitty-gritty. Why am I doing a task? Why would I seek to live the way I know the Lord wants me to live? Is it, as the Pharisees, to be seen of men? Or is it because I know it's what the Lord wants me to do. Does your burden come from God or does it come from men? We've already, we've already established this. The burden that comes from God is light because he's helping you carry it. And he can carry anything easily. But if it's a burden from men, it is so heavy, you can't carry it. You'll just spend all your time and energy wasted trying to carry it. This is the problem with religion today. People are so spent because they've tried to live up to religious tasks. They've tried to live up to religious duties and failed. When we know God said, you will fail. Woe be unto the one that succeeds because tomorrow you got to do it again. And the next day and the day after that, if that's the precedent that you want to set for yourself, completing an impossible task because you finally figured out how to try hard enough to do it. Mm -mm. Those Pharisees, they even gave up a long time ago and just said, no, I'm happy to sit here and tell other people and watch them fail. Man, that's not nice. Sorry. Does my burden come from God or does it come from men? God Okay, let's go here. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17. I, I'm trying to, trying to hurry. I know I've got, been gone a while. But I want to, uh, I just want to show you what this says. Paul says a lot in a few verses here in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I just want to show you a few of them. Paul speaking to the Corinthians, and this is the second letter he's wrote to them. Verse 1, we'll start there. I'm just going to jump through a few of these. Everybody say ministry. Paul's talking about his and the men that God called him, their ministry to the church. 
in this passage specifically to Corinth. For, no, sorry, uh, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 1. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, we have received mercy. As we have received mercy, we faint not. I couldn't do it without mercy. I would faint. That's essentially what he's saying. The only way we're able to proceed with our ministry is through the mercy of God. Jump down to verse 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. That's the key. He's doing it through his power. We are not doing it through our power. Verse 8. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Verse 9. Persecuted but not forsaken, cast down, but not destroyed. Always, verse 10, always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. The way, Paul is saying, the way we get to have the ministry of Jesus produced through us is sure to be troubled and perplexed and cast down and persecuted. All those things, they happen. They're just, we call them hazards of the job. That, if you're going to try to do what Jesus did, expect to receive what Jesus received. Persecution. Rejection. We do all that, and we go through all that, but as he says, I'm cast down, but I'm not destroyed. I am persecuted, but I don't let it affect me. Perplexed. Man, there's some days I don't know what to do. But I know in going through these things allows the ministry of Jesus to be completed in my life. I don't get to complain about it being a burden. Mm, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to be mean. I don't get to, oh, let me tell you about the casting down I went through today. Let me tell you about the rejection I received today. All of the, all the trouble that I'm going through. No, that's, is that what Jesus did? He had every right. He went through more trouble than anybody. He could have had a gripe session with the disciples. Oh, guys, let's just talk about how today went. Did you see that one lady, how she was looking at me? Man. Uh-uh. Paul knows to get what Jesus produced in me, I've got to go through what he went through. And I've got to go through it the way he went through it. Jesus, again, he said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Verse 12 so then death worketh in us, but life in you. As I'm dying, I'm producing life. Verse 16. For which cause we faint not, but through our outward, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. I'm finding rest into my soul. 
day by day. Though the outward man has to go through this struggle, has to be submitted to sub, uh, subjection and rejection and persecution, all that stuff, that's just normal part of the job because the inward man is renewed day by day. If I ever find myself in a place where I feel like I'm just giving out so much and I'm not getting anything back, I'm just giving and giving and I'm running on empty. Something's not right. Because Paul said, we go through this constantly. The outward man perishes. But the inward man is renewed day by day. Next verse. For our light affliction. Paul uses that word light. It is the same as Jesus saying, my burden is light. Paul says, our light affliction. Man, I don't know. I don't know at what level you get to say that, that rejection and persecution and trouble and all that is, is light. But that's where he reached. Our light affliction. Which is but for a moment. Worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Whatever I think is too hard to go through here on earth. Whatever I feel like is a heavy, heavy burden here on earth. Paul says that's nothing compared to the weight of glory. And also he says, for a moment. Man, those three words are just sticking out to me right now. For a moment. If I, if my life is so consumed with trying to get the most out of every day. I, I don't have enough hours in the day. Trying to, in, trying to enjoy, makes. Sure, uh, I'm getting a headache just thinking about it. List my day in such a way that I've got enough to do this and this and this and this. Uh, there's not enough time. But you know what that what that translates to here for us on Earth. I'm going to use this word as misery. Misery. If I'm just trying to go through a day, and so at the end of the day I can say, I did enough today, enough good, enough for God, enough whatever, and then the next day here's some more of it, and some more of it. It's, it's just a misery. That is not, and it's not... There's nobody that would say, oh yeah, but it's just for a moment. No, it's not. It's 24 hours and it feels like 28 sometimes. And Paul says, I, I've, I've done this many years. And I see more on the horizon. But you know what? All of this is just for a moment. Because my perspective is such that I'm not looking at 60 years, 70 years, 40, 30, 10, 5, 1 year. I'm looking at eternity. And eternity, an eternity of glory is nothing 
to, to, when I get to look at one moment and this one trouble, we could go through our life trying not to have bad days. And it, it, let's just say you make it to the end of your life and you're satisfied with the number of bad days you didn't have. That's not the way to get through it. For a moment, for a moment, why don't we stand? I want you to look at one more passage here. I want to ask this question. What is the light affliction that Paul was talking about there? It's the dying. Bearing about the dying of Jesus Christ. Carrying that around. That's light affliction. I felt like the Lord asked me this question as he was kind of explaining this to me. Which of these is harder work? Trying to convince men that you are spiritual or living like Jesus? Which one of those is harder work? I would try to convince men that I'm spiritual by trying to appear spiritual. But, and what Jesus says is that's carrying an impossible burden. Because I, now I don't just have one to please. I've got 10, 30, 50, 100. And wouldn't you know it, what pleases this one is not the same as what pleases that one. How am I going to deal with it? It becomes an impossible burden trying to convince men and women that you're a spiritual person. We would say, oh, that's my task to, to let everybody know that I'm a Christian. That's my burden. Lord, help us. If that is ever my focus, letting somebody know, I, hey, look at me. I've got my act together and I'm like Christ. It's an impossible burden. But to live like Jesus, Paul says, is just a light affliction. I want to live like Jesus. Living like Jesus requires putting your own desires second to the master's desires. Trying to convince men that you are spiritual takes all of your efforts and it takes none of the master's efforts. You really are your own master in that scenario. Got one more verse if you can put it on the screen. Matthew 6, 24. No man can serve two masters.
Either he will love one and hate the other, or he will love the other one and hate that one. That's the way I would put it, to make it easy to understand. A man can't serve both. Some, hear me, some people are so consumed serving Christianity that they don't even realize they're not serving Christ. And they make that their master. They make the spending of time in the world of Christianity their master. As long as I can say the right thing, do the right thing, speak the right way, share the right thing at the. Uh, that's a master, and it is not the master. I feel the Lord challenging us right now. Spend more time in His Word. Spend more time in His Word and you will show who the Master is. His Word, hear me, His Word, not somebody else's Word about His Word. That's an important distinction. And I realize we've got different people reading books and that's good, I'm all for that. But spend time in His Word and you will find out who the Master is. It, is it, it requires me telling myself no to everything else for however long. Five minutes sometimes. That's not a bad start for some of us. We tell ourselves yes for 24 hours a day. Tell yourself no for five minutes while you read the Bible. You'll find out who the master is. The master is the one saying, how much more time do I have to do this so I can get back to my stuff? I'm not trying to be mean. But no man can serve two masters. He will either love one or the other. And that leads to despising. Lord, I pray that you would help us right now. Father, we want to be like you. We want to live the life that you want us to live. In the name of Jesus, I'm going to open this altar, this front. It's open. I'm encouraging you. If we don't do anything more today, we need to let the Lord know he is our master. Come on, submit ourselves to him. Lord, I give you myself. I give you my time. I give you my mind, Lord Jesus. All that I have, it belongs to you, God. I surrender myself right now, Lord Jesus. I know that you would help me carry every weight. I know that you would help me live through every burden every trial God if I keep my mind on you if I keep myself Lord in subjection to you Father you have that plan you have that will that desire 
for each person that's here today. Lord, I submit myself to you. I submit myself to you right now, Lord Jesus. Oh, you are my master. You are my savior. You're my healer. You're my physician. You are my strength. You are my support. You are the one that hears. You are the one that knows. Hallelujah. Come on. Come on, seek after the Lord. Seek after the Lord. You are my master, Jesus. I surrender all to you, God. I surrender all to you, Lord Jesus. I'm going to encourage you to find somebody to pray with. We're going to exercise what the scripture tells us about bearing one another's burdens. Come on, let the Lord just lead you to somebody real quick. Every person, if you would find somebody.